You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Dan Jetto. Good morning and welcome to my living room. My name is Pastor Dan Jetto. I am the worship and small groups pastor for River Rock Church, and it is my privilege to share this week's message for River Rock. Um, as we share this morning, I want you to notice I did stop my clock. Um, I am not timing this message. I will take as much time as it needs to, but uh, it will not be as long as you think. My message today is authentic missions through living an authentic life, and this uh, key verse that I'm going to be looking at is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And as I begin, I want you to think about some things. Have we ever, as individuals, sat and simply pondered, why has social media taken such a foothold on our society? Why has that become so popular? Why has it become so big? Why is it that a meme or a trend can impact so many or have such great followings? Can the gospel of Jesus Christ garner the same level of attention? And I believe that it can. If we let the Holy Spirit empower our lives, how would that change affect us and our church? And how would that affect our world? And would we as believers become viral where people are watching to see what it is that God is doing? And I believe that it would happen that way. See, people want to know that their lives make a difference and I think that's why social media is so big. They they want to know that they are valued. They want to think that they are effective, that their lives actually have meaning. And Jesus tells us that our lives do and that we do have value, especially when we have our identity in Him. And, and, and that makes all the difference in the world. And, and we can then live effective and meaningful lives, fulfilling the mission that Jesus has uh, given to us. Now, Jesus, just before he ascended into heaven, he gave his disciples a promise, a promise that they would be empowered by his Holy Spirit to be his witnesses, and that's in Acts 1.8. And again, that's the key verse for today's message. We'll be looking at others, but this is a key verse, and it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus not only calls us, but empowers us to be his witnesses. He doesn't tell us to do something and not give us the ability to do it. No, he's going to empower to do that in our lives. He wants his message, the gifts that he gives us, the Holy Spirit, his love to go viral in our world. And what we do locally can quickly go global when we are yielded to the Holy Spirit. When we are living authentic Christ-centered lives. And that brings me uh, to the bumper sticker for this week's message, and I have a bumper sticker every week, and it's living authentically impacts globally. So if we live authentically, what we, the way that we live, the people that we touch has the potential to go global. You think of one pastor who preached a sermon that triggered Billy Graham who became the greatest evangelist that our world has known since Paul, um, triggered by one person being yielded to the Holy Spirit, 
uh, living authentically, preaching the word truthfully. Living authentically means that if I tell the truth, authentically share what God has done in my life and how his word has changed my life, and then live the same way so that my life matches my talk, living out the truths that are found in scripture, uh, and living the way that Jesus, who said that I am the way, the truth, and the life, but call himself calling himself the truth and the life and the way, Jesus will use my testimony, he will use my authentic living, he will use that which I share to change those around me. And if I change a couple people around me, they might change people that I can't reach, and they might change another people, and quickly it spreads like a virus, and we're all familiar with the virus right now, uh, and can reach the world. So let's begin to look at our passage. And the first thing I want you to notice is that when, when this uh, passage starts, the, the key verse, it starts with the word but. The word but or therefore, when you ever see that, you have to go back before that to figure out what's going on. So I'm going to put this verse in context. I'm going to read the context of this verse so we see what's before and what's after. And then we'll go back and focus on the verse. And it says this, beginning in Acts chapter 1 verse 4, While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring, are you restoring the kingdom of, to Israel at this time? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or periods the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. See, the disciples were told to go wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit was to come for them. And, that, and this is key for this event. See, we receive the Holy Spirit when we become a Christ follower. But as his disciples, uh, because Jesus had not ascended into heaven yet, would receive it later. And we read in Acts chapter 2 when that happens, once Jesus ascends to his throne. But at the uh, beginning of this passage, they're asking, Jesus, is this the time that you've come to restore the kingdom to Israel? So they, they, it's a legitimate question. Jesus has been raised to the dead. They want to know, is this the time that you establish your kingdom? And Jesus says, doesn't matter. You don't need to know that. That's not for you to know. What you need to do is two things. You need to go, stay here in Jerusalem, you need to wait, and, and then you will be given my Holy Spirit and, and that promise, and you will be my witnesses. You're going to do that. And so in the middle of that, we have that verse where, where it says, but you will receive power and the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So think globally, regionally, uh, or, or locally, globally, or regionally, globally. Um, and then the text follows with two men dressed in white. So I'm going to call them angels because I don't know what else to, to say about them. But they, they're standing next to the disciples and say, why are you standing looking up into the heavens? Jesus didn't say to stand here and look around. He said to go to Jerusalem and wait. And, and the, so if you look at the verses before, which says it's not for you to know, 
but you need to do this. And you look at the verses after and it says, hey, what are you doing standing around here? You need to go wait so that what has been promised to you in verses, verse 8 happens. So uh, the whole passage points to that one particular verse. And the verses tell them to do two things, wait for the Holy Spirit and be his witness. Now, what is a witness? Well, a witness can be an eyewitness. This is someone who has seen or experienced an event, and they share or give testimony to what they have seen or what they have experienced personally. Um, there's a character witness. This is someone who knows someone else well enough to speak about who they are. And then there's an expert witness, someone who knows about a subject matter through study or experience to be able to comment expertly on that subject. So if we live authentically as witnesses, sharing, showing, and supporting Jesus and his mission, his Holy Spirit will work through these messages to change the world. But how do we do this? First, we have to know um, Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We have to be in a personal relationship with him so that we can receive his Holy Spirit. But the scripture tells us that when we become believers, the Holy Spirit is given to each believer. And we have all of that, but he needs to have all of us as well. So to, read the, to receive the Holy Spirit, uh, we have to be true Christ followers. In Ephesians uh, 1, verses 13 through 14, Paul writes, In him you were also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth of the gospel of your salvation and when you believed. So when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, a Christ follower, you receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the, of the possession to the praise of his glory. So Jesus gives us his Holy Spirit as a down payment to help us understand the heaven that we have now and the heaven that we will inherit when we uh, receive eternal life um, after uh, we've been resurrected. Have we placed our faith in Jesus? Death is a payment for our sins. Have we put our hope in his resurrection, that he will resurrect us to be with him. If we have, if we have the Holy Spirit indwells us. And you can't get just part of the Holy Spirit. He's not something that can be sliced up and, and diced up. He's a person, a person, what part, part of the Trinity. Um, he is fully God. If we have not received Jesus as our Christ, as our Lord and Savior, if you don't have that indwelling of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that now. And it, it is really simple. And, and here's what uh, John, one of Jesus' closest followers and friends, wrote in 1 John 5, 11 through 15. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. The one who has life has the Son has life. The one who does not have the Son does not have life. I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked for from him. So we know that Jesus wants us to come into a personal relationship with him. We know that Jesus wants us to have the Holy Spirit indwell us. So all we have to do is ask and it says if we ask what he uh, desires, that we will already have that, so we can do that. And, and we can come to Jesus in a very simple prayer, recognize our sinful condition that we can't save ourselves, and, and asking him to save us. And, and the 
if you want to pray with me, this, here's a simple prayer you can say. Again, the words are not important. It's the intent of our heart. Do you really want to become a Christ follower? It says this. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner deserving of, deserving of eternal punishment. I thank you that you paid the price for my sins, and I'm placing my trust in your death as a payment for my sins. And I place my hope in you as the resurrection and the life. I want to accept that gift of eternal life you offer me and ask that you would empower me to follow you by giving me your Holy Spirit. Amen. If you prayed this prayer for the first time, I would love if you would contact myself or Pastor Chris or someone at River Rock Church so we can help you get started on your faith journey so that you can grow in your faith and understanding what it is that Jesus wants to do with your life. So now that we have the Holy Spirit, we have to be yielded to Him. So what does that mean? We have all of the Holy Spirit, but does the Holy Spirit have all of us? Have we let Him, are we letting Him direct and guide our lives? Um, he speaks to us through uh, His Word, through the Word of God. Um, so if you read your Bible, He can speak through that. He can speak through others, through teachings and preachings like you see from our church. Um, and He can speak directly to our hearts. He can move us to, to uh, desire things and to seek after Him and to even to speak in, in the name of God uh, as He moves in our lives. It was interesting that as I prepared the study, I didn't realize how many times Luke referred to the Holy Spirit being active in the lives of the believers as the first, church, uh, first century church grew. And here's some examples right from the book of Acts. In Acts 4.31 it says, When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. They were fully yielded to God, and God used them to speak his word boldly. In Acts 13.2, As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So the Holy Spirit tells that church to set aside Barnabas and Saul to be missionaries, to send them out on a missionary journey. The act of yielding begins with a simple prayer. And it can be as simple as this. Holy Spirit, please guide me in all that I do today. We should pray something like this at the start of each of our days so that we are asking the Holy Spirit to be involved in everything that we're going to do on that particular day. So now that we've got to the point where we are yielded, and we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, there are three practical aspects of being a witness that is living authentically for Jesus that will make us effective witnesses empowered by God and having a global impact. And the first one, authentic living and missions begins with sharing what we have seen and experienced. So this is the eyewitness testimony. One of the things that we can share is our salvation testimony, how we became a believer. So what was my life like before becoming uh, a Christian, before coming into a personal relationship with Jesus? What caused me to accept him? And how has my life changed because of my relationship with Jesus? Multiple times in the book of Acts, Paul is sharing bits of his testimony, what God has been speaking to him about. And he specifically shares his salvation testimony at least two times. Um, we see that salvation experience of his in the book of Acts chapter 9. 
But then in Acts chapter 22, he's sharing before an angry mob in Jerusalem the details of that salvation experience. And again, uh, before uh, King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26. And if I were to summarize this testimony, because I don't want to read all of those verses, it would be like this. I was on the road to Damascus with letters to persecute and imprison Christians. So this is before he became a Christ follower. I was blinded by a light and knocked off my donkey and heard a voice asking, Why are you persecuting me? I asked, Who are you, Lord? And the voice said, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. So he has an encounter with Jesus Christ. He comes face to face with Jesus in a sense. And Jesus told him to get up and go preach the gospel of Jesus to the Gentiles. And he obeyed. That was his conversion experience, that he came to know Jesus Christ personally, that he was going the wrong direction. He repented and changed from persecuting Christians to trying to create Christians. And his life after, you see all of his missionary journeys, we have all of his writings. He was focused on one thing, and that is getting the gospel of Jesus Christ to anybody who would hear it, especially those who had never heard it before. Um, so we have all aspects of that before, how he came to Christ, and uh, after. We can share as God teaches us from his word. This helps others grow in their faith. Whereas a salvation testimony might help somebody come to faith, our sharing uh, what we have, are learning helps people grow. And this is an important part of being a witness, is helping people to begin to understand uh, what it is and what it means to be a Christian and how we are supposed to live. This is why the disciples wrote the Gospels. They wanted not only people to be saved, but they wanted to hear all of the teachings of Jesus. That's why we have four different Gospels. We can share how God is continuing to work in our lives. Jesus never leaves us alone. You know, we, 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 we are saved, but he's constantly transforming us if we're yielded to his Holy Spirit so that we're becoming more like him. And we can share how God is growing and changing us. Uh, Paul wrote in, uh, in Corinthians uh, this, about how we can help others because we've worked through a trial, that God has helped us work through a trial or a difficulty that we've encountered. And Paul writes this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us all in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those or in a kind of affliction uh, through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So it's an eyewitness testimony of God's grace and love in our lives as he helps us to grow. We can share things that encourage people as we learn about the character of God. So it, we can be a character witness. And this is especially important because so many people believe that our God is a God who is out there waiting to just whack people every time they step out of line. And that's just the opposite of the type of God he is. He is a God who's wanting us all to repent and to come to a knowledge of him and come in relationship with him and to spend eternity with him. And uh, Peter writes in second, uh, of God in 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord does not delay his promise. The promise is him returning to establish his kingdom. As some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. He wants to give everybody every chance that they possibly can 
to be saved and be wrapped in his love and forgiven and spend eternity with him. Our God desires that all would come and live with him after the resurrection. We share principles that we have learned and applied from God's word that are helping us live godly lives. This is another way we can share, and this would be our expert testimony. So uh, last week, Pastor Chris talked about uh, briefly about the Great Commission in, in Matthew 28, 19-20. It said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, Remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Uh, this is one aspect of disciple-making as a, as a witness. It's sharing the principles with others and helping them put those in their lives so that they too can be um, authentic and effective disciples of Jesus Christ. The second part of authentic living and missions is showing others what it means to be a Christ follower. So. There's a saying that's, that says, more is caught than taught. Um, and, and I want to say that this is partially true because people do imitate others. I, I, when my kids were young, the uh, Karate Kid movies came out and they were watching the Karate Kid. And so all of a sudden you see them doing the crane and karate chopping and all of that, everybody and everything, each other all day long because they, were, they learn by imitation. But they also learn from what we say. And our, what we say and what we do have to be in alignment uh, if we're going to live authentically. And that means we need to make sure that our values align with God's values. See, and the way that we do that is we let the Holy Spirit guide us. And if we are letting God align our values, He's going to change us from the inside out so that what happens on the outside will be what's happening to us on the inside. See, uh, our values do drive our behaviors. People need to see and hear the message of the gospel in their lives. The biggest reason that people uh, avoid Christianity is they see hypocrisy. Uh, they don't see the love of Jesus. They see the self-righteousness uh, that comes from an inauthentic life. The best way to avoid hypocrisy is to humble ourselves before God and live authentically. So we shouldn't make up perfect lives and stories uh, that we show others and, and then live differently in our homes. It, our lives should be the same no matter where we're at. You know, if you look at Facebook, people are showing us the best of themselves. We don't see the rest of themselves. Jesus wants us to live with the rest of ourselves out there as well so that people can see us working through the struggles hand in hand with Christ because they too live a life uh, of struggle. Being a witness is, is letting others see Jesus working in our lives, even in the difficult things. Everything isn't always going to be um, beds of roses. Sometimes it's a, a, a walk through thorns. Paul in Romans 7, uh, again, if you listen to Pastor Chris's last sermons, he touched on this. Paul shared that he too sometimes failed. At, and at the end of Romans chapter 7, in verses 24 and 25, he talks about the answer to that struggle in life, not being able to live that perfect Christian life. And he says, What a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body of death. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind, I myself am serving the law of God, but with my flesh the law of sin. He recognized 
that the victory in his struggles would only be found in Jesus, not in himself. And so he lived that out in that way. Does how I live demonstrate to others that I am a Christ follower? Because my life should point to Jesus. Every part of my life should point to Jesus. Jesus said this in John 13, 34, I give you a new command, love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The love between believers as we share life together gives testimony. It is a witness to those who are watching us that we are Christ followers. If you were to come and sit in my small group and see us share, we, we share um, both the great things and the struggles that we're having in, in our families, but we love each other. If you come to our church when we're able to meet, you will see our people gathered outside the buildings wherever we've been able to meet, talking to one another for 35, 45 minutes after the service. Why? Because they love one another. I, I really believe that our church understands this and lives this, but we need to live this as believers to show people that uh, Jesus is our God, and, and it will draw people to the gospel message, and others will be saved. Our behavior and our language should also set us apart. Our words should be words that build people up. They should not tear people down. Our language should not be vulgar. It should be filled with grace. Paul wrote in Ephesians 4.29, No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need, so that it gives grace to those who hear. And again in Colossians 3, 16 through 17, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through the psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And Jesus himself in Luke 6, 45 said this, a good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart, an evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart, for his mouth speaks from the overflow of his heart. So if what's coming out of your mouth is harmful or vulgar, what's that say about our hearts? So we need to make sure that our speech is pure, that it's loving, that it's kind, that it's uplifting, that it's building people up. That doesn't mean it can't be correcting, but it has to be done in love and not out of anger or bitterness. Authentic living requires letting God change our hearts so that they are in alignment with His. Our core values will affect our outward behaviors. And Psalm 37.4 says this, Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act, making your righteousness shine like the dawn and your justice like the noonday. As we delight in the Lord, make Him and His Word our core values, we will be changed, it will change both our hearts and our outward behavior so that people don't see hypocrisy. What they see is the Jesus in us uh, shining through. The third thing, authentic living and missions is supporting others and, and ministries that reach people we cannot. The Great Commission, talked about it before, tells us that, that uh, we are to make disciples of all nations. Well, I can only speak one language, English, and I speak it very poorly. I can read um, uh, Koine Greek, uh, but that is of no value in uh, modern society. And I know enough words in both German and Spanish to embarrass myself or uh, start a fight, and that's about it. So uh, 
if I'm going to make disciples, I have to do it where I can, I can share with people uh, that I know. So um, I make disciples where I am. And that's what we have to do. Make the disciples where we am, where we are. And if uh, we can't reach others, then we should support those who can. Uh, and I, so we do that. We support groups where we cannot. So uh, Paul was supported by others through his most of his mercenary journeys. One example is Lydia, who provided a place for Paul to stay at her home. And we see this in Acts chapter 16, verses 14 through 15. A God-fearing woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, was listening. The Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying, and after she had and her household were baptized, she urged us, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. The reason it says us is because Luke and others were with her, with Paul at the time, and she supported that whole group as they were uh, ministering in, in that area. We also see in Acts 13.2, the church in Antioch sending out Barnabas and Paul, and as they worshiped the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after they had fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and they sent them off. They sent them off on their missionary journey, but they would have also provided provisions for them. So they would have supplied the, the needs that they would have, uh, money and uh, food stocks for them as they traveled. They wouldn't be just the two of them. There would be a, a group of people traveling. And we can do this too. We can give to the Christian Missionary Alliance Great Commission Fund, which supports our missionaries around the world, reaching people in places where we cannot go or that are very difficult to go to. We can support ministries such as ministries such as Compassion International, a ministry to children in poverty. My wife and I uh, support two children. They minister to children around the world, sharing the gospel with them, providing for them. Uh, we can uh, support the House of Hope, a ministry in, in Chile uh, where women who've come out of poverty, out of orphanages or elsewhere who would otherwise be um, have to live uh, as prostitutes or dr uh, selling drugs or, and uh, drug addicts to, to, to get an education to find Christ and to a, a better life. You can support uh, support uh, ministries like Wycliffe Bible Translators, a ministry that's trying to get the gospel translated to every language, every tongue, every tribe, so that no one would be without, the, without uh, a Bible in their own language. And there's hundreds of other ministries that we could support. It is a part of authentic living, putting our valuables where our values are, or in a more common vernacular, putting our money where our mouth is. And it shows the world that we truly are committed to fulfilling the Great Commission, to living authentically for Jesus. So how does this lead to global impact? So as we touch those who are near us by sharing the gospel message and living it out, showing them what, it's, what it means to be a Christian, authentically living for Jesus, some will respond, some will be touched by that and they will become believers too. And, and then they will touch others, and they will touch others. And pretty soon you have this chain reaction that spreads around the world. That's one of the ways that it can impact our world globally, by living authentically. Secondly, as we support missions and or missionaries, we allow people to go to places where we cannot physically go. And, and that allows the message to go even farther than it would be uh, just us, and faster than if it was just us waiting for that to chain reaction to expand around the world. All of this 
is captured and authentically living as a witness, which leads to authentic missions, which leads to global impact. And, and that's what we want. We want the message of Jesus Christ to go viral. We want his kingdom to go viral in our world so that as many people as possible can be resurrected and spend eternity with Jesus. Now I pray that as you uh, have listened to this message, that it would impact your heart, that you would desire to live that way, and that we would be able to then have lives that are, are viral in spreading the love of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day, and I pray that you would help each one of us to live authentically for you, Lord, that our lives would be true to you and to your word. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And Jesus said to his disciples, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Proclaim not just to his sons, but to his beloved daughters. Not just the privileged few, but to the entire human race, to the whole creation, to all the colors and creeds, for God so loved all of us. How then can one daughter be more worthy than another? One son be more deserving than his brother? One color be more beautiful than all the rest? For it is written that no one can number his children. They will come from every nation. They will come from all tribes. They will speak all languages. And with their mouths, they will sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Therefore, we are all created in his image, not just a certain few. We are all adopted. None of us are his by birth. And we all must find the way, the truth, and the life. We all need Jesus. Jesus, the martyr. Jesus, the poor man. Jesus, the prisoner. Jesus, the teacher. Jesus, the prophet. Jesus, the resurrected. Jesus, the first and the last. He is the creator of diversity, the author of equality, the defender of the defenseless, the one who breaks the chains of slavery, the one who continues to fight for freedom. He is the Messiah. He is the risen King. He is our only hope. Jesus, the savior of the world. Jesus, the one who died for all. You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.